to praise him. Come on, I feel the spirit of God, the presence and power of God in this place. Jesus, you're my way maker. Jesus, you're still my miracle worker. Oh, you're still my promise keeper. You're still everything. You're still all I need. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, that's who you are. That's who you are. Hallelujah. I want somebody to just shout hallelujah all across this house. Come on, I want someone to shout the name of Jesus all across this house. Come on, lift your voice, clap your hands. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. He loves to be exalted. He loves to be acknowledged as the way maker. He loves to be acknowledged as our provider, as the one who cuts through every bit of darkness in our lives. The Lord loves to be magnified and acknowledged as who he truly is. That's why we're feeling what we're feeling, and I don't want to rush past this. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we lift our needs to you. Jesus, we're going to begin opening the doors of our hearts right now to let the way maker come in to our bodies to our hearts to our minds I don't want to leave this place without being touched by the way maker come on if you need God to make a way where it seems like there is no way one more time before we go any further would you praise the king of kings and the lord of lords I believe the power of God is here to do the miraculous, to do the impossible. I don't know about you, I don't want just proclamation without demonstration. And I believe the power of God is here to give us a demonstration of His Spirit and His power. How many came here for a demonstration? Amen. Amen. I want to move right into this. I feel the the Lord prompting us to move further. And I'll save some of my final remarks for Wednesday night. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. While you're turning there, if you've never been here before, you've only been here a few times, let me just remind you in case you didn't already know what you're feeling is the presence of Almighty God. What you're feeling is the love and the promise that only Jesus Christ can offer. And if you need a miracle in your life, if you would have the faith when this preacher is done preaching, to lift your hands, to come to this front, to take a step of faith. God can do what no one else could do in your life. Maybe you've been battling an addiction. Maybe you've been battling depression. Maybe you've been battling some kind of sickness of mind or heart or body. Can I tell you? Can I tell you that Jesus Christ can absolutely resolve and fix all of that? He can, he can make a way where there is no way. Amen? Amen. How many know that's true? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins, you've never had your sins taken care of by the blood of Jesus in the waters of baptism, he's still making a way in the waters of baptism, isn't he? Hey, man, how many are still excited and remember the day you were baptized, had your sins washed away? In fact, I would tell someone, if you have not yet been baptized, if I were you, if at all possible, I would not wait a day longer. Just as it says in the scripture, here is water, what doth hinder you to be baptized in Jesus' name? And if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I would not wait a day longer, but I would repent and pray and allow God to fill me with his spirit the same way they did in the book of Acts, evidence by speaking in other tongues. Amen, amen. Let's read this together, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. So glad to see the people of God here today, so thankful for the opportunity to preach, give honor to you and to your pastor and his wife. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. How many know the Spirit of God's been moving since the beginning of time? And that same Spirit just moved in this place, and that's why we felt what we felt. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. 
Amen. We're going to stop there. What I want to preach to us about today with the help of the Holy Ghost is simply this. God's canvas for creation. God's canvas for creation. Amen. One more time, would you put down your Bibles? Would you put your hands together to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords before you're seated today? Come on, that's it. It, it wouldn't hurt to lift up another hearty hallelujah. It wouldn't hurt to lift up the name of Jesus one more time. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Thank you for standing. The God that we serve, as we just read in the book of Genesis, is a master artist. He is the artisan of artisans. He, any bit of ability that we have to create, whether it is to, to create songs or music, whether it's to create something with our hands or something with our mind, whether it's physical uh, ingenuity or intellectual property, any ability that we have to create comes from our creator, the master creator, and we have been made in his image. And we have this look in the very beginning of your Bible, the creation narrative, where in the beginning, most of us are familiar with this passage. Maybe we've heard about it since Sunday school, but sometimes I think we forget the profundity of the fact that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and the earth was void. We can't even imagine that because we inhabit the earth as it is and, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The scripture lets us know that there was nothing in the beginning except of course the Lord and voidness and without formness and darkness. That is all that existed at that time. Amen. But God in his ingenuity and his master ability, he began to take his paintbrush, so to speak, amen, and he began to draw on the canvas of darkness, amen. He put a little bit of light on that canvas, and then he began to put the sea and the great deep, and he began to create the sun and the moon, and he also made the stars, the Bible says, and, and he did all of this, amen, a, 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 on a most unusual canvas, amen. He he created order, but, but, but he created order out of chaos. He created light, but he created light out of the darkness. I've just come to remind someone that he painted the world that we live in on a canvas of darkness. Darkness has always been God's canvas for creation. Darkness has always been something that God can use to paint on, to draw on, and to create something beautiful out of. And I've just come to preach to someone on a Sunday morning that whatever hell you're going through and whatever darkness you're facing uh, and whatever darkness is going on in that world, all it is is a canvas for God's creation. All it is is an opportunity for God to make beauty out of ashes and order out of chaos and begin painting something beautiful in your life, something that you never thought possible. Uh, this darkness has been the canvas for God to create new life out of people that would have never otherwise known him. That's why there's been prodigals coming back home. And that's why there's been new people saved and hungry for God. Why? Because they're surrounded by darkness and God uses that darkness to bring deliverance. God uses that darkness to get the hearts of men and women where it needs to be, to get people to surrender and see how badly they need the God that they've been missing out on. Can I tell you, don't be afraid. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't be intimidated because this darkness does not intimidate God. Oh, hallelujah. God's been working with that raw material of darkness since the beginning of time. God knows how to take it all, put it together, and create light and peace and hope and joy out of your dark and seemingly hopeless situation. And if you believe that, I wish you'd praise him right now. Hallelujah. A few years ago, I subscribed to be on an email list from a Christian nonprofit that helps persecuted Christians around the world. Now, I don't know all of their beliefs. I didn't really care because I just wanted to start praying for persecuted uh, uh, Christians around the world. The Bible tells us to do that. And so this, e this nonprofit will often send updates and personal prayer requests from persecuted believers so the church around the world can help them pray. And I know this, if I was stuck in one of those nations, 
persecuted, I would sure want a whole lot of people praying for me. I don't care who they were. As long as they're praying in the name of Jesus, I'll take those prayers. And so this is primarily why I subscribe to it. And I received an email this morning from the nonprofit with details about persecuted believers in Afghanistan. I'm sure most of the adults here are familiar about some of the recent events in the nation of Afghanistan. And while there are, of course, very disturbing and horrendous and sad reports about what's happening in Afghanistan as the Taliban reestablished their rule, this nonprofit also managed to discover some stories of hope and send it in an email. There were stories, story, you know, stories of secret believers and, and their resolve to share their faith in the second most dangerous country for Christians in the world remind us that God is still working even inside places like Afghanistan. In fact, I can tell you, and, and, you know, I wasn't there personally to confirm it, so, you know, take this for what it is, but my wife and I, we have some connections to some areas overseas uh, uh, in, in unique, difficult countries, and one missionary, uh, uh, it wasn't confidential information, he confirmed with us through his own connections and his own avenues and resources that in one of the most tightest, restricted, horrendous, tyrannical, violent countries in the world, North Korea, he was able to confirm that there have been people who have been baptized in Jesus' name inside the nation of North Korea. Inside the nation of North Korea. There's no missionaries. There's, if there is, no one knows about them. Amen. But you know what? Could it be that there's some people that maybe get a hold of a Bible or a pamphlet that someone airdropped of the New Testament and they're reading it and they find out about baptism in Jesus' name and they go baptize each other in the name of Jesus? It's happened before. It's happened again. Don't Listen, I'm not undermining how horrible it is. I'm just letting you know that even in the worst of situations, there can still be a spark of light to, so if it can happen over in North Korea and if it can happen in Afghanistan don't you think that God can breathe life into your situation don't you think that God can shed some light into your heart don't you think that there's still hope and promise and joy for your trial as well don't you think God can paint something and create something out of your darkness as well amen the story I read this morning and the email was about a believer, probably not going to pronounce this right, but Sheriff Fulah. I'm sure that's not his real name. But he is an Afghan artist. And uh, he is what we would probably call a pastor. Yet pastoring over there looks a whole lot different than what we're used to. The email explained that this man has devoted his life to shepherding a small group of believers as they try to live out their faith in secret. And now even more difficult given what's happened over there. And yet what is so amazing is this group is hiding in plain sight. As I read the story this morning, I was blown away. You see, Sharafullah's group consists of artists just like him. And he teaches them how to improve their craft, whether painting or pottery or anything like that. But here's the amazing part. Sharafullah and his artisans paint hidden symbols of Christ in their work. Whether it's a tapestry, whether it's a painting, whether it's some kind of sculpture, they secretly weave hidden symbols related to the scriptures in Christ in their work, weaving doves representing the Holy Ghost or crosses and things like that into their designs. And not only does this keep their faith alive, but they distribute these paintings throughout cell networks in the country, reminding the persecuted believers that they are not alone and reminding them of the God they serve, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus, who knows what it's like to suffer, who suffered and died for them. Can I just tell you, there's darkness, but you know what those Afghani people are doing? They're using the darkness as a canvas for creation, and they're trying to find ways. How can I paint Christ into this situation? How can I paint the Holy Ghost into this situation? How can I paint the cross into this situation? How can I lift up the spirits of my brothers and sisters? How can I make sure that I hold on to my faith in the darkest hour? of this time hallelujah the darkness is God's canvas for creation amen all over the city of Kabul the capital city of Afghanistan the Taliban are literally painting over any symbols of beauty even basic paintings of flowers 
have nothing to do with Christianity or religiosity. They're painting over them. They're also painting over anything with bright color. And the Afghani believer that was represented in the email, Sharafullah, he said this. He said, the Taliban considers everything beautiful to be sick, to be infidel, to be apostate and filthy or a friend of the evil West. He said, they are trying to kill the souls of our children by taking all that is beautiful away from them. But can I just remind someone that no matter how dark it gets, these Christian men and women, they keep on painting. They keep on creating. They keep on moving. Even as the Taliban workers are climbing ladders to get to high walls to paint over anything beautiful with their evil and demonic slogans. Sharafula said this, no matter what happens, he said we will never let our hope be silenced. And he said we will make sure the world hears our message through every breath we take and every bit of art that we create. Can I just tell someone their darkness is their canvas for creation and your darkness is God's canvas for creation. The hell that you've been through, God can use it and work it all together for the glory of God. Scripture promises that all things will work together for the good to those who love God. So guess what, honey? This is an invitation this morning to love God because if you love him and if you serve him then ultimately all things will work together for the good for the glory of our almighty God if somebody believes that if somebody feels faith and hope coming into your heart I want you to praise him right now I want your praise to reflect your faith right now somebody declare to the heavens and to the spirits of this age, that you will not be silenced, that you will not stop believing, that you will not stop praising, that you will not stop dancing, that you will not stop believing in the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and the Father of Lights. Somebody praise him right now. Right now, I want you to praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish some of us would have that resolve of that Afghani man that says we will never let our hope be silenced. We will be like the widow woman. We will nag. We will talk about Jesus everywhere we go. We will be loud about our hope. We will annoy people with how much joy and hope we have in these last days. We will make sure that our families and our communities will hear our message through every breath we take, through the life we live, and through everything we create for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says darkness and light are the same to him. Some of the elders know exactly what scripture I'm talking about. And it's not talking about sin and righteousness. We know there's another scripture that says light has no fellowship with darkness, and that's referring to righteousness and sin. They cannot mix. But this scripture in Psalms 139 is referring to trials, is referring to difficulties, is referring to the darkness of the world. And what it's letting us know is that no matter how dark the world gets, amen, our Lord has night vision, perfect night vision. It, it doesn't look any different to him. He, he doesn't see it any differently. He it doesn't take him off guard. It doesn't take him by surprise. Amen. Nothing takes our God by surprise. And so the scripture says in Psalms 139, 7 through 12, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Can I just preach to someone as well? Some of you maybe have been trying to flee from the Lord. Some of you have been tra trying to maybe flee from his presence because you're maybe not ready yet or you just got all the other things going on or you got some worldly things that are distracting you. Can I tell you, you... God will let you choose, but you can't flee from his presence. Until the day that trumpet blows, his presence will be following you, trying to give you the opportunity to repent and come to him. That's why the Bible says, surely, in good, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The Lord is after you. There's someone in this house. The Lord's got your name. The Lord's got your number. He's been after you. Your darkness does not intimidate him. Come on. You can't flee from him, honey. You might as well stop trying. You might as well stop trying to 
run because you're never going to be happy and you're never going to be satisfied as long as you run away from your creator. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Can I just tell someone maybe you've made your bed in hell. You've made some mistakes. Amen. You, you've been involved with drugs or illicit relationships and your heart's broken and your mind's uh, uh, tormented and you're in trouble. Can I tell you hell is not your home and you don't have to stay there. You don't have to keep your head on that pillow. The Lord is still there. His hand is reached out. And if you just reach out back to him and let him, he will pull you up out of that hell hole that you been walking through but you got to give yourself to him you got to try you got to walk with him come on you can't just pray for five minutes and expect all your problems to go away come on you got to reach for him you got to stretch for him come on you got to make up in your mind i will go to church i will be a part of this church i will be a part of the body of christ i will give all of myself to jesus no matter the cost even if i mess up even if i fall i'm not going to stay away from church because of shame no i'm going to get right back up and i'm going to keep coming to church time is too short the end is too near for us to start falling away from him for us to let shame control our minds and keep us from the house of God we've got to make up in our mind I'm going to serve him at all costs and God is not intimidated by the hell that I've been walking through even if you've made your bed in hell, honey, don't let the enemy condemn you anymore because you don't have to live there. You don't have to live there. Hell is not your home. Hell is not your home. In fact, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about heaven. You know what he's saying? I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you because if you so choose, heaven can be your home. Hell doesn't have to be your home, but heaven can be your home. And if you're here and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in water for the remission of your sins, You've never been filled with the Holy Ghost yet speaking in other tongues. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants heaven to be your home. He wants you to experience the new birth because he wants you to be saved. And he's got a place in heaven prepared for you that he does not want to have to give to someone else. He wants to give it to you if you'll let him, if you'll give yourself to him. Come on, he's already got the furniture prepared. He's already got the family photos on the wall. He's got your favorite coffee sitting there on the countertop for you. He's prepared. Come on, he's got some Krispy Kreme donuts in the morning for you. He's got the home and everything prepared for you. Will you take him up on his offer? Will you give yourself to him and allow him to save you? Oh, i got to hurry. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the psalmist said, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, because the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You know what the psalmist is saying? Lord, even if I think it's all dark all around me and there's no hope, even if I say out loud, God, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get a new job? How am I going to deal with this situation when I'm losing my job and this is going on with my family, Lord? All I can see is darkness. Then the psalmist was reminded that, wait, even though all I can see is darkness, the Lord looks down and sees no difference because the darkness and the light are the same to him. He's the creator of it all, so he's not intimidated. And when we see no way out, God says, trust me, I'll find a way out for you. God says, trust me, I'll make a way where there is no way. It might be through a door. It might be through the basement. It might be through the window. It might be through an avenue that you never thought possible. But God said, I will make a way even when you don't think it's possible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. The darkness and the light are the same to him. Oh, that encourages me because I can, get, I can get discouraged and fearful by darkness just like anyone else. We're human, and it's much better if we admit when we're afraid than trying to lie about it because the sooner we admit that we're dealing with fear, the sooner Jesus can heal it and the sooner Jesus can help us. So I'm the first to say I'm human, and I battle with fear, and I battle with discouragement and all of that like anybody else, but it encourages me when I'm looking around at violence and riots and tyranny and sickness, and my heart feels overwhelmed. Amen. There's a God that says, don't fret. 
don't fear. I, I, I see it all. I've, I've, I've created this from the beginning. I knew exactly where this was going to go. I've got a timeline. I've got all of this planned out. You know, Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Come on, we've got to memorize those scriptures. We've got to believe those scriptures. We've got to take them to heart more than ever before so our hearts don't fail us in these end times. Come on. You might think it's over, but it's not over till Jesus says it's over. I'm here to tell someone there's still light at the end of the tunnel. Your situation is not over. And listen, I felt when I woke up this morning, I just felt a spirit of fear. I felt a spirit of fear. It took me a little minute to pray about it and to kind of understand it was heavy. And I don't know who this is for, but you need to start today in this service and after. Just start rebuking the spirit of fear. You don't have to feel guilty that you experience it, but you need to overcome it, amen, so you don't stay in a spirit of fear. Because listen, listen, fear, and listen, I know we all experience it. This is not to condemn anyone, but let's just be honest about what fear is. Fear is faith in the enemy. Fear is faith in the negative outcome. Right? If I'm sitting there and there's two choices, there's a good choice and a bad choice, and I don't know what's going to happen yet, but I'm sitting around spending weeks and months in absolute horror and devastation and sorrow because I believe that the bad, the bad outcome is going to happen even if I don't know. Well, guess what? I have more faith in the bad outcome than I do the good outcome. Fear is faith, just faith in the wrong things. I don't want to have more faith in my enemy than I do in my creator God. Hey man, we must not let these present trials and this present darkness foster a spirit of fear in us. It's going to try. It's going to come knocking on your door, but we got to make up in our mind, you know what? I'm going to pray when I feel that. I'm going to fast if I have to. I'm not going to let the darkness of this age foster a spirit of fear in me. Yes, even if some people get sick. Yes, even if some of my brothers and sisters get sick. Yes, even if I get sick, I'm not going to succumb to a spirit of fear. I'm not going to lose the progress that I've gained. I'm not going to let the church lose the progress they've gained by succumbing to a spirit of fear. And a moment of fear is not the same thing as a spirit of fear. Right, We all have moments of fear, but it's up to us to pray and to give that to God so we don't let it linger in us for too long to where it becomes a spirit of fear. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, i got to hurry. Paul said, and he, he could be seated, Paul said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. You've heard this, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Is anybody okay if I remind you of something you already know? Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said his grace is sufficient. We've got to start believing that. If there's ever an hour we needed to start believing that. Come on, God's grace is available, but are you receiving it? Are you believing it? Are you accepting it? Are you allowing it to work in your life? Or are you trying to survive on your own works? Are you trying to survive on your own efforts instead of relying on and receiving the grace of God? That's another sermon for another time. But he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Wait a minute. I thought the scripture said his strength is made perfect after the weakness is over. I thought it said his strength is made perfect after the trial is over because that's when we all feel pretty good, right? When we get the good news and we're like, whew, glad that's over with. Man, now I feel strength. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says my strength, God's strength, is made perfect in Weakness in the trial, in the darkness, in the chaos, in the problem, in the middle of it, in the worst of it, in the most hellish part of it. That's when his strength is made perfect. So if you're here going through hell, guess what? You're a candidate for his perfect strength. If you're here walking through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? You are a candidate for his perfect strength. You are not alone. You don't have to live alone. You can experience his perfect strength strength right in the middle, right in the middle, right in the middle of the problem that you're going through. 
Come on, I want someone to praise him right now. I need someone to believe that. Just lift your hands and talk to Jesus wherever you are. Come on. Come on. Invite his perfect strength. Invite his perfect strength into your heart and mind right now. Say, Jesus, I receive it. Jesus, I surrender myself and my fear and my problems to you, and I'll receive your perfect strength. Teach me how to receive your grace. Teach me how to live on your grace as my fuel. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to believe all the way to the very end. Help me not to have faith in the worst outcome possible. Help me to have faith in you. Somebody clap your hands and give Jesus praise. With a... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I just felt this in prayer, and I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody. And I, oh, Lord, sometimes the Lord asks us to do things, and we're like, Lord, really? But in prayer, oh, Lord, forgive me. You all have to forgive me if this embarrasses you. But in prayer, I have not been able to get the Dixon family off my mind, both of you sitting back there. And I just feel, listen, I don't know a drop. I don't know a thing of what y'all maybe have been going through, experiencing lately. But I just felt like the Lord told me to tell you that this darkness you're going through is not final. This is not where it ends. This is not where the story's over. There is light that's coming for you soon. And there's going to be a way that you never imagined, that you never thought. There's going to be a door that opened that you never thought and you never saw. And the situation you've been going through and struggling with and dealing with, there's going to be a door that opens to you and your family very soon. That's what I felt to share that with you. You both have been faithful. God has seen your faith. God has heard your prayers. And he will move. And he is moving upon your situation as we speak. Somebody praise God and Receive that word and thank him for that word for our brothers and sisters right now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, church, we are not alone. We are not alone. God sees us right where we are, and he's got us in the palm of his hands. One more time, would you praise him? Would you praise him? Hey, man, I just got a few more minutes, and I'm going to close. I got a timer up here, so don't get too nervous. You know, in Acts chapter 9, Jesus blinded somebody. Did you know that? You know, Jesus actually intentionally put someone in darkness. And that man ended up writing about three-fourths of the New Testament, becoming one of the most influential preachers, teachers, writers that the world has ever known and ever seen. But, but Jesus put darkness on him. Because he thought he could see, but he was actually blind. And it wasn't until Jesus blinded him till he began to start to really see. Jesus blinded Paul in order to help him see. And for three days, Paul staggered around, not knowing what was going on, had other people lead him and help him. But it was in that process that Paul started to see for the very first time. And when his eyes opened, he realized, my God, I've been persecuting God. I've been persecuting his body. I've been doing the wrong thing. But thank God that Jesus allowed me to go through some darkness so my eyes could be opened and so I could see the true state of things. So I could see things not as they see but as they truly are. God's canvas for creation is darkness. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't fear by it. Maybe you feel blind right now and you feel like you're feeling around in the dark. If you keep believing, if you stay in your word, if you keep coming around the community of your brothers and sisters and do the things that you know to do, I'm telling you, God will make sense of that darkness. God will start opening things up and God will help you to see what you've been missing and see maybe why that you have been enduring what you've been enduring. Hallelujah. But don't... Don't curse God over the darkness because God is the same God just as powerful and strong in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your weakness. I want the musician to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really feel like God's trying to speak to everybody. And I know there's people that have gone here for 10 years, 20 years, 5 years. Some people, this is your first time, your second time. I really feel like God's trying to speak to everyone. So if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, let someone else wear it, okay?
But I believe God wants saints to be renewed and strengthened today. And I believe God wants visitors, people of this community, even if you've been coming for a few months or years, but you have not yet received the Holy Ghost, I believe God wants to change that today. I believe God can change that today. I believe God can shed light onto your darkness. Hallelujah. I read a shock. You can be seated. I read a shocking article recently that I wanted to share with you. Stay with me. God's still here. God's still moving. The article was entitled, the article that I read was entitled, The Painter and the Thief. And it left me stunned. It left me floored. And it's a true story. In 2015, in Oslo, Norway, security cameras caught two men breaking into an art gallery. These men were able to steal two large oil paintings worth a total of $20,000, but they were quickly apprehended by the authorities. The artist who created the paintings was named Barbara, and she was relieved to discover the thieves had been caught. There was just one problem. The men had been taking hard drugs during the time of the robbery, and neither of them had any memory of the robbery nor any memory of what they might have done with the paintings. There was no hope of getting them back. Barbara was an extremely gifted painter, but she was not well known, so <coughs> losing two paintings that were each valued at $10,000 apiece was quite the financial blow. But at the ensuing court trial, Barbara made a decision that no one expected. Instead of pressing charges, she decided she simply wanted to meet one of the thieves who had stolen her prized art. She approached one of the thieves who was covered in tattoos with hollow eyes and a rail-thin body from years of hard drug use. His name was Carl Nordland, and he had an extensive criminal record. She began to speak to Carl, and the conversation was not what anyone could have expected. Instead of doing what most people would have done, lecturing him, cursing at him for his crime, trying to destroy his reputation, what was left of it. Instead, she invited him over to her home, and she told him that she wanted to paint a portrait of him. The story goes that when Carl saw the painting of himself, he could barely speak. And then he began to shake, he began to tremble, and burst into tears. Because in this portrait, he saw himself for who he really was, a broken man, lost, forgotten, and hungry for acceptance. But in this portrait, because of the way it was painted by the painter, he also saw some things that he wasn't used to seeing, and that is grace, compassion, and forgiveness painted by the hand of the woman that he robbed. In a story that seems almost too surreal to be true, the painter and the thief continued to develop an unlikely friendship over the years that would ultimately lead to Carl's rehabilitation and sobriety from drugs. A hopeless, drug-addicted thief was forever changed by the grace given to him by none other than the painter he stole from. I heard about this story and I read the article and I was stunned. I look back, church, and maybe what I'm about to say is only for a few people and I'm fine with that, but I look back and remembered how many times I was the thief. I was the sinner. I was the criminal. And when I should have been committed to prison or severely punished, when there should have been physical or spiritual consequences for me, a painter named Jesus Christ decided to completely forgive me even though I had committed great sins. Even when I had hurt others and even when I had hurt myself, the painter showed me mercy. Even when I sinned against him and his law, even when I broke many of his ten commandments, living away from God, he showed me mercy. He took me into his home. He cleaned me up. He showed me a portrait of who I was, of who I was, broken, sinful, and destitute, but also of who I could be, 
a preacher, someone redeemed, someone free from sin and addiction. He showed me all of that when he began to paint a portrait. And when I repented, when I obeyed the gospel, when I was baptized in Jesus' name and allowed the Lord to fill me with his spirit, speaking in tongues, this painter gave me a fresh slate, a canvas of grace, and he began painting a new picture of me, painted red with his own blood. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to make that decision and allow him to take that paintbrush, dip it in his blood, and start painting the rest of the story for you. He paid the price for you on Calvary so you could be freed and delivered from the record of your sins. And Maybe you're here and you've already been baptized filled with the Holy Ghost. You've been in church for a while but you need some fresh grace and you need a fresh start. Maybe you need a renewing. Maybe some things have been in your heart that haven't been so good. Come on. The painter, the author and finisher of our faith wants to begin writing new things, new chapter, new perspectives into your life. I want us to stand if you're physically able. In just a minute, we're going to come to this front and pray. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can come, lift your hands, and just begin to repent of your sins. You can just begin to tell Jesus you're sorry for your sins. And all that darkness you've been going through, that darkness will start to lift. And Jesus will work through that darkness. He will paint on that canvas and create something new in you. He can give you the Holy Ghost and make you a new creature today. You can be baptized and become a new creature today. But by far the greatest example of light created in darkness is the cross of Calvary. I want you to think about this with me. The cross has become a universal symbol of hope. Amen? There are people, some, wear it around their necks. There are some that put them in their front lawns. There are some that put them as bumper stickers on their cars, statues in their homes, on top of their churches, on top of the steeple. It has become a universal symbol of hope, the cross. There's even a Red Cross, a medical institution that brings hope to people's physical needs, all represented by the cross. Do you realize how absolutely strange this is? Please think about this with me so you can capture the spirit of what God is trying to speak to us today. Do you realize how strange it is that the cross would be a symbol of hope? The cross was an execution device. It's, it was like a gallows. It was an execution device of brutal proportions. Someone said the Roman cross was designed for one thing and one thing only, to keep people from following in criminal steps. Well, I am happy to tell you that in that sense, it did not work when it comes to Jesus Christ and his followers because there's a lot of people around the world, millions that are walking in his steps. But no one wanted to even think about a cross. No one would certainly ever dream of something so bloody and so ghastly and so dark ever becoming a symbol that actually brings people comfort. Listen, it's no different than, than it would be no different than if the symbol of, of, of a faith was something like a guillotine. And for those that don't know who it is, I'm not going to go into detail. I don't want to scare anybody. But let's just say it's an execution device that's used to serve swift executions. Can you imagine with me? I want you to picture that contraption in your mind as ghastly as it is. Now I want you to imagine that being a symbol of hope. I want you to imagine people putting a bumper sticker of a guillotine or in their front lawn or, or, or in their home or putting it on front of a pulpit. I want you to imagine that because your first thought would be that's nuts. That's crazy. Who would use that as a symbol of hope? That's wild. That's dark. That's, And yet it's no different than the cross. The way that people viewed the cross 2,000 years ago is the same way that we would look at the guillotine now. And yet the dark, suffering agony of the cross was the means by which God brought us salvation. That brutal, horrible symbol that had never brought a soul hope ever. Jesus took that darkness, used it as a canvas for creation, and ever since that moment, people lift up the cross as a symbol of hope and life. The brutality was used to bring us blessing.
The darkness was used to bring deliverance. The nails were used to bring knowledge of salvation. The spear was used to bring us salvation. The blood was shed and paid so you and I could be saved from hell and our sins. The pain was the canvas for God to paint the promise on it. And if you're living in darkness today of any kind, you're a perfect candidate for the light of God. If you're empty, that just means there's more room for God to fill you. If you're broken, then you're the priest of clay that the potter wants to work on because he can put you back together better than you were before. I'm done preaching, but I've just come to remind someone the darkness has always been and always will be God's canvas for creation. Do not despair. Have hope. Take heart. Take courage. Take peace. Give yourselves to God, and he will give you what you need to overcome. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome I want us to go ahead and begin to lift our hands and I want us to lift our voices right now and I want us to open our hearts and allow God to take the pen and begin writing in our lives whatever he wants to come on whatever pain whatever depression whatever hurt that you've been dealing with go ahead and start giving it to God let God take that darkness and paint something beautiful in your life Come on. It doesn't matter if you've been the thief. There's a painter that will take you in and turn everything around. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's take a second before we go any further and let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on. Lift your voice with me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Like an apostolic church. Lift your voice with me. God, we thank you that what the enemy meant for evil, God, you always turn it for good. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you pray in the Holy Ghost if you feel the Lord moving on you? Come on. Come on, let the Lord, let the Spirit give utterance to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let him lift your heart. Let him lift your eyes back to the cross from where our help, hope, and salvation comes from. They're going to sing in just a minute. I want to invite you. I'm going to invite you to come to this front in just a minute, but I want to first give those, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, if you've not spoken in other tongues yet as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, I want to invite you to come as well. I just want you to know I'm giving you the first invitation. Anybody and everybody that wants to come can come, but I want you to know God's inviting you to come to this front so you can lift your hands, repent, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're here and you've not yet been baptized and you feel the Lord speaking to you, I want you to find one of the leaders in the church, Pastor Hood, tap him on the shoulder and say, I want to be baptized. But right now these altars are open. Come on, I want to invite us to come. I want to invite us to come. If you're here and God spoke to you in any way, big or small, if you're a, if you're a regular saint here or a visitor, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome at the feet of Jesus. Come on, you want the mind of Christ? You've got to start at the feet of Christ. Come on, come surrender to him. That's it, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Hallelujah, Lord, I want your spirit. I want your spirit. I'm gonna seek after you and allow you to fill me with your spirit. That's beautiful. If you can stand, come and stand and lift your hands. If you're not physically able, feel free to take a seat on one of these pews in the front, but that's it, keep on coming. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I want us to lift our hands all over this house. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to repent. Come on, if you're here and you've already been filled, but God spoke to you, just start seeking after him. Start lifting your voice right now. Come on. Darkness is God's canvas for creation. He's got you. You're in the palm of his hand. This is not where the story ends. Come on, don't you think God can provide a new job, a better job? Don't you think God can handle that situation? Come on. Keep coming. Keep praying. Sister Hood's going to sing. That's it. Let the Lord work on you today. Savior. Oh, that's it. Reach out after him. He's here. He's here to help you. He's here to save you. He's here to heal you and make you whole. 
you